With healthcare always in the news, you can now go beyond the headlines by giving a listen to Catholic Health USA, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association. Hear in-depth conversations on Catholic health issues at chausa.org slash podcast. Hello and welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the semi-young, rather hip, and 100% lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Olga Segura. Hey, guys. And Zach Davis. Good to be with you, Ashley. Oh, thanks. Good to be with you, too, Zach. Thank you. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. I'm wondering if the semi-young is being thrown our way because I'm about to turn 30 this year. I think it's more because Zach is 26. So then what does that say about me turning 30? Yeah. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Ashley, you're just throwing stones right now. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just comfortably in the middle. (laughs) Anyways, what's on tap, Zach? Not a darn thing because it is Lent and we are in the middle of our podcast, Lenten Sacrifice, Mm -hmm. which is we give up drinking for Lent. Yeah. So I've got some tea. I got some seltzer. I've got some water. Because you're somehow still better than us. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with tea? (laughs) Not as good for you as water. I don't know. She feels like that's the healthier thing. Maybe if you were passionate about Lent, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Who are we talking to this week, Olga? This week, we're talking with Marcus Howard, who is a guard on Marquette University men's basketball team. I was so psyched to get this interview. He's one of the top basketball players in the country right now. He's, you know, top five in scoring, named all Big East team, um, and hopefully leading Marquette to a deep run into the NCAA tournament. And on top of all that, he has been a leader in mental health advocacy within college sports. Um, He's been very open about his own um, need to go to therapy and wanting to make that a less stigmatized thing um, within the world of sports. So. So great conversation that we're super psyched to share with you. But first. Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. What's our first story, Olga? Our first story is on the Ethiopian Airlines plane that crashed on March 10th, claiming the lives of 157 people, many of them who are humanitarian workers. Yeah, this is such a sad story, um, and my heart just goes out to everyone who is affected by it. Um, Those who were killed include four Catholic Relief Services staff, um, someone who went to Georgetown University Law School, and 19 staff members of U.N. agencies. Yeah, a statement put out by Catholic Relief Services said, Although we are in mourning, we celebrate the lives of these colleagues and the selfless contributions they made to our mission, despite the risks and sacrifices that humanitarian work can often entail. So our heart does, and our hearts and our prayers go out to all their families in mourning. Um, our prayers are with you. Yeah. What's our next story, Zach? So our next story comes from the network television show Saturday Night Live, where Pete Davidson compared R. Kelly, who is currently charged with 10 counts of aggravated sexual abuse against four victims, including three minors, to the Catholic Church. He said, before I continue, this guy is a monster and he should go to jail forever. But if you support the Catholic Church, isn't that the same thing as being an R. Kelly fan? Yeah. A lot, lot to say here. Yeah. But first, um, there's sort of an easy thing we should say. Yeah. It's it's important to point out the differences that one is an, an institution and a person are not the same thing. Um, and I think that is where we can start. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I I would want to say that like I'm I'm less I I think it was just a cheap 
kind of thing to do as a way to it seemed like it was a way to justify listening to R. Kelly's music, not like a way to really do a deep critique of the horror that is sexual abuse, whether it's by an individual or by the church. Um, so there's that. That said, I'm I'm less upset about someone making fun of the Catholic Church than I am about the abuse that was perpetuated by the Catholic Church. So I don't want to like overreact and like Right. And I saw a lot of people sort of asking this question of, you know, how can I still support the church after all that I've learned, especially in recent months? But jokes like this really don't help those people asking that question. They don't help the people who are in the church working to make it a better place. And above all, they don't help victims or survivors. Right. What's our next story, Ashley? So a teacher in Utah on Ash Wednesday asked a young nine-year-old boy in her class to wipe off the ashes that he had on his forehead. She did not realize, or she said she did not know that they were uh, Ash Wednesday ashes. She thought they were just a smudge of dirt. But this has caused outrage at the school. Yeah, some context. In uh, Utah, there are not as many Catholics as in other parts of the country. The primary religion there is uh, the Latter-day Saints. Saints. Um, And so it... I, I suppose could be feasible that, you know, this is not as common of an occurrence, um, but nonetheless, tr- probably traumatizing for this nine-year-old boy, right? Yeah, no, I mean, especially if if he is kind of in the minority there, um, and so he might already feel kind of like he's sticking out because he has these ashes on his forehead, but then to have the teacher kind of like discipline for him for them, that must have been difficult. And and he went home and he told his parents and his family got very upset. And his grandma even called the school, right, Olga? Correct. And she called and said, I asked her, referring to the teacher, if she had read the Constitution with the First Amendment, and she said no. And it's in the teacher's been placed on leave. And I, I we're still not at a point of reconciliation yet, as mm-hmm. far as I can tell with the story. And rather than my heart kind of is in a different place, because rather than just sort of pile on this teacher for her for her ignorance or for things that she didn't know, I really hope that this is an opportunity. I mean, I am surprised every single year when people are surprised to find people with ashes on their forehead. I think I don't yeah. know. This happens every year. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think the right reaction is to ask them, what what's that on your forehead? Right. In which, you know, those are in. Moments where we as Catholics can just sort of educate, um, contribute to sort of a healthier religious literacy. um, And hopefully there's some reconciliation that can happen in Utah. Yeah. What's our next story, Zach? Last month, St. Anne Catholic School in Prairie Village, Kansas, denied enrollment to a kindergartner who is the child of a same-sex couple. Yeah, and parents at the school are upset. Um, Over 1,200 people have signed a petition sent to the archbishop of the diocese and the school superintendent. Yes, and the letter points out that the school accepts children whose parents violate church teachings in other ways. Some examples, divorce, birth control, um, and even accepts the children of non-Catholics. So why are the kids of same-sex couples being singled out? Yeah, and the Archdiocese released a statement uh, responding to these concerns. Um, They said, quote, our school exists to pass on the Catholic faith. And they made the point that uh, for this child— there he might if he's learning one thing at school about the the nature of marriage and seeing something else at home it might cause confusion for him and his classmates yeah and i just will point to a tweet that um our colleague father james martin sent out that this is an example of unjust discrimination i i, I agree with jim here as the letter is pointed out as mm-hmm. father martin has pointed out there are other parents who are also violating church teaching who are not discriminated against this in this way and so this is a really sad situation and hopefully 
there's something that comes of it. What's our next story, Olga? A new report found that in 2018, two out of three religious orders had no entrance. Yeah, this is from uh, Georgetown University's Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate, also known as CARA. Uh, and the report said a lot of other things. So we could summarize some of them quickly. Uh, yeah, so this was a survey of 753 religious congregations, provinces, and monasteries in the U.S., which I didn't know there were that many. But the average age of respondents of the class of 2018 was 28, um, and uh, 75% of those people were born in the U.S. And two-thirds of responding entrants identify as white, more than one in 10 as Hispanic or Latino, and more than one in 10 identify as Asian, Pacific Islander, Native Hawaiian, and less than one in 20 identifies as either African-American, Black, or other. Yeah, and respondents to this survey were highly educated before entering last year. Uh, half had earned a bachelor's degree, and about two in 10 earned a graduate degree before entering their religious in- institute. But the main takeaway that I was, I was sort of, I don't know, saddened by, not surprised by at the same time, was that two out of three religious orders that responded had no entrance. So no one knew coming in. Yeah. And and on top of that, a lot of them had maybe one or two entrants. So it really is a precipitous decline in people entering religious life. Yeah. So were you both surprised by this? I know I was not. I can't say I was surprised. I do. There's no women I know are entering religious life. So that does not surprise me. Mm -hmm. I know a couple of young men who are entering the priesthood. Um, Olga, were you surprised? I wasn't surprised either. I feel like one, we we've we've I feel like we've covered reports in the past that have stated this. Um, and also, like Ashley said, I don't think aside from probably when I was in high school at an all girls Catholic high school with nuns, I don't since then I haven't known any women who have wanted to enter religious life at all. Well, and I I think this just shows that the future of religious life in the United States is going to look very different uh, for us, for our kids than it did for our parents and grandparents. Yeah. And I think I feel like we have already kind of experienced that shift. Like most people before our generation were like taught by nuns and I certainly was not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I I tend to not get too um, despairing about news like this. I think, you know, this will present opportunities for greater collaboration with lay people, greater leadership from lay people. Um And I think that's a good thing for the church. You know, like there was a blip or a, you know, a spike in religious life in the mid 20th century. That was an aberration. And now, you know, that's coming to an end and we're the Catholic Church will adjust. Yeah, I I don't see this as a reason to despair. I think we, you know, we've talked about the Leadership Roundtable. We've talked about so many amazing women and so many examples of leadership within the church um, that I think, and this could just be... Like in the lay church. Yeah, like in the lay church. I think if we weren't seeing women and men rising up in other leadership positions, then I would be more saddened by this. Um, But what about you, Zach? I guess uh, I get really worried that we... Like some of our parishes that are sort of dying and we're keeping open for historical reasons or whatever, that a lot of these missions are not because it's a hard conversation. We were founded in a certain time and place in the church to serve a specific mission. Are we still serving that mission? And if not, what's next? And that has implications on uh, property, schools, ministries. Um, And unless you have those difficult talks, those things are all going to sort of fly into disrepair and struggle a lot. Yeah, I guess maybe we're kind of talking past each other because I like for 
orders like the Jesuits who, you know, they they still have a good number of people, but less than still, they used to. Still declining. To. They're still consolidating. Um, like I look at the uh, the Ministry of America Media and 20 years ago, this magazine was run by all Jesuits. And today that that's not the case. But I, I wouldn't say um, it's any less vibrant because of that. Yeah, I agree, Ashra. I think it's great that we're seeing all all of these kinds of collaborations between religious and lay people. But I think we do have to acknowledge that these diminishing numbers in people entering religious life, we will lose something in the church because they do have very specific, unique gifts that they contribute to the Catholic community. Right. And that's something to mourn. And we should. Exactly. Joining us on Skype today is Marcus Howard, a junior guard on the Marquette University men's basketball team. Welcome to Jesuitical, Marcus. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. No, we're super, super excited. And congrats. I just saw that you were named semifinalist for uh, Player of the Year. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Congrats. Man. Cool. So first question. ESPN did a package recently on your mental health advocacy, and this is something you've been very passionate about. Uh, can you talk about what made you decide to start going to therapy and what made you want to share that with the nation? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it was definitely something, you know, as the season would start going throughout, you know, last year and, you know, I kind of had some downtime, you know, I was starting to realize, you know, there are a lot of things on my mind that I felt that me, myself, I couldn't just keep to myself. So um, in talking with, you know, people around me, you know, in terms of coaches, they provided me an outlet to where um, I was able to speak to somebody. And, you know, I've been doing this for the past about for the past year. So I've been able to uh, see a therapist, you know, weekly and, um, you know, just talk about things that I go through on a daily basis, not only in sports, but in life. And then um, just to me, me being open about it with the public, I mean, I felt, you know, someone with my platform, um, you know, I had the opportunity, you know, to speak to large audiences. So I felt, you know, something like this who that um, can be covered for, you know, student athletes all around the country. Um, and people in general, I think, is just using my platform to the best of my ability and, you know, being able to speak for maybe those who don't have the opportunity to speak. Was it tough at the beginning going to therapy or was it tough to talk about it at first? Um, I think, you know, it wasn't really tough as I got into it. It was more so tough, you know, um, accepting that I was going to go seek help. You know, um, I think, you know, just as a student athlete and just as an athlete in general, um, there's this persona that, you know, we have to be tough and, you know, we, uh, we shouldn't be able to express how we feel. But um, once I got past that, you know, things just kind of became easier for me. The wall started to break down. And, you know, I started to find things about myself that I didn't really know in the past if I wasn't able to, you know, see somebody and talk about it. Marcus, can you talk a little bit about some of the unique challenges um, on mental health that college athletes face? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just the rigorous schedule, you know, trying to balance, you know, school as well as your sport can definitely be something that can take a toll on your mind. And, you know, they want to always try and, you know, be the best they can be, you know, be the best of the best. And, you know, we all fall short sometimes. And, you know, I think uh, it's okay to, to you know, accept that you're human. You can't, you can't be the best to somebody else if you don't take care of yourself. So I would say self-care is really important. And um, you want to be sure that you're being able to be your best version of you for others. And the only way to do that is make sure you're taking care of yourself. And a part of that is, you know, is making sure your mind's in the right place. So you mentioned that people were encouraging of you and there are resources available to you through Marquette. Do, is that the case everywhere or is that was that unique? Um, honestly, I think that can be the case everywhere. But also, too, you know, I'm a big advocate for uh, the type of place that Marquette is. Um, it's an unbelievable place um, for people to say that, you know, oh, a place in Wisconsin, you know, where it's so cold. And, you know, how could you love a place like that? <laughs> uh, you know, 
know, it's all about the people here. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm surrounded by, you know, unbelievable people each and every day. You know, I come in here each and every day and I'm, you know, ecstatic to, you know, be around the people I am around. So um, just to have that, I think, is really special and for people to, you know, um, care so much about others to where they want to see the, them, the best of them come out. I think it really speaks volumes about the type of school Marquette is and the type of people that it has here. Do you think that the school's sort of Jesuit Catholic mission helps contribute to that environment? Definitely. I mean, our mantra here is, you know, be the difference. So, I mean, in terms of that, I think, you know, just being selfless. And we have a group of people here on campus who are extremely selfless in terms of just, you know, trying to make sure that others are put before themselves. And so I think that was definitely just on display in terms of like, you know, people trying to help me. And, you know, I've tried to, you know, return that favor and try to be in as selfless as I can. How have you spiritually grown throughout your time at Marquette? You know, I've always kind of been, I've always been really, really um, deep in my faith, but I would say this past summer it really grew even more. Um, this past summer, I took a service trip uh, with a group of student athletes to Costa Rica. Um, we built a basketball court there for a community. And, you know, in that trip, you know, I led Bible studies. And um, in doing that, you know, when I came back to campus, you know, um, me and a fellow student athlete who's on the, our lacrosse team, um, we started our own chapter of Fellowship of Christian Athletes here on campus. And, you know, in doing that, you know, I've felt, you know, I've really just gotten deeper with my faith in God. And um, it's really been something that's been cool. And I wouldn't really have had that if it weren't for the opportunities Marquette kind of presented it for me. So, yeah, it's been really good. What was it like to start that Bible study group at Marquette? I mean, I've been I've been involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes for a while. Um, my dad um, was really, really involved when I was growing up. So um, um, it was something I was familiar with. And, you know, to be able to make an impact on this campus, you know, spiritually, was really cool. And, you know, to see the kind of outcomes that we've had this entire year with our group has been really good. And um, be able to change lives, you know, from a spiritual standpoint is uh, what it's all about. And I feel that's all that's what I'm put on this earth to do is, you know, to glorify God in the best way I can through my sport and um, using my platform the best way I can. Do you pray before games? Oh, yeah, I pray all the time. I pray before games, I pray during games, I pray after games. So. Before the game, what do you specifically pray for? Um, I pray for, you know, safety, I pray for health, um, you know, uh, I pray for wisdom, I pray for guidance, um, I, pl- I pray for poise, I pray for, you know, giving me patience, um, whether something good or bad happens, you know, stay, stay the course. Um, those are kind of things I focus on, just, you know, trying to be at peace, um, because I feel if I'm at peace, you know, I'm able to play with a clear mind and a clear conscience. What would you say to someone uh, who says, you know, Marcus, God doesn't really care about what happens in a sports game. He doesn't care who, who wins or loses or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I, I would say, you know, I wouldn't say he doesn't care who wins or loses, but I would say, you know, it's how you deal with whatever situation comes. You know, um, I don't think you lose. I think you learn. And so, um, in terms of winning or losing, if you're using it in the right way to glorify God, I think that's what's most important. So I think if you're winning and you're being sure that you're glorifying him, that's in the right, right, right reasons. But if you lose, um, you know, still, still giving him the glory, still giving him the praise for, you know, giving you the opportunity to play the game you love. Um, so that's kind of how I look on that. So you're right now projected as like a first round draft pick in the NBA. And whether you go this year or next year or whenever, are you starting to think about the increased pressure and the increased platform, um, how that's going to affect the way you you approach your mental health advocacy or how you're going to like, I can only imagine what like the media scrum is going to be like when you're when you're at that level. Yeah, Um, honestly, you know, um, I'm not really going to change. You know, I'm still going to, you know. No matter what happens, uh, I'm not really looking forward to I'm not really looking too much in the future in terms of basketball stuff. But I know whatever comes my way, I'm going to continue to do what I've done, um, you know, see help, 
um, be as vocal as I can about how I'm feeling, not really keeping things to myself. Um, and then always putting God first. I mean, I think, you know, no matter what I do, whether that's playing ball or, you know, going to school or whatever, I mean, I have to make sure I'm putting God first because, you know, I'm not I'm not just a student athlete. You know, I'm a I'm a Christ follower and that's what I want to be known as first and foremost. So, um, you know, all that stuff is great in terms of, you know, basketball and all that. But um, I want to be known for what I do off the court more than what I do on. Thank you so much, Marcus. Um, for I know you're super busy. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Um, one final question for you. If you could canonize anyone, living or dead, Catholic or not, who would it be and why? Wow. My mother's a saint already, but um, <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a good question. This is probably one of the toughest questions I've ever been asked. <laughs> Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow? All right. Tim tell Tebow. us why Tim Tebow. Um, I would say Tim Tebow because, you know, he's already about the right things. And, you know, I think he uses his platform in an amazing way um, to, you know, motivate kids um, in the right way in terms of their faith. And I already feel that he does uh, what a disciple does. I mean, he's a servant leader. So I think, you know, in terms of just being a saint, I think that's what it's all about. So uh, for for the non-sports fans out there, can you say who Tim Tebow is? I don't even know what he is anymore. Isn't he in baseball now? Yeah, I'm not sure. He was football first, then baseball. He was a two-time uh, NCAA champion in college football with Florida. And then he played a little bit in the NFL. Then he switched over to baseball for a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I would say Tim Tebow. All right. Cool. Sure. So St. Tebow. <laughs> Tebow. Marcus, thank you so much for talking with us today. No problem. Good luck. Good luck in the conference tournament. Good yeah, luck good in luck. the NCAA tournament. And congrats again. Oh, thank you so much. And I love what you guys are doing. So you guys keep it up. I mean, always, uh, always keep pushing for it. You know, you guys are really representing a great cause. So I really support you guys and wish you guys nothing but the best. Thank, thank you, you so, thank much, you so Marcus. much, Marcus. Awesome. Have we'll a good talk one. to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, now it's time for some housekeeping. Who knew healthcare could be so complex? The Catholic Health Association understands how complicated it can be. That's why they have a podcast, Catholic Health USA, to help folks go deeper on healthcare issues. Give a listen or download at chausa.org slash podcast. Hope they talk about dental issues for <laughs> Ashley's sake. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. No, sh- I- <laughs> I'm sorry. We're going to transition into, <laughs> I know. into consolations and desolations. My desolation. desolation this week is having cavities. Um, all right. Now it's time for consolations and desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was harder to find God. What do you have, Zach? This week, I've got a consolation. On Friday, I was having a conversation with a friend who asked me if I saw Jesuitical as a ministry. And I said yes. But that did get me thinking about that question in a really serious way, sort of over the weekend. And uh, I found myself logging on to Facebook.com and looking at our looking at our group and our Jesuitical Facebook group and seeing some of the questions, the hard questions that uh, one person in particular was asking about a loved one and the rush of responses that came in that were both like empathetic, loving, like practical and I, re- I don't know. I was like, this is a community that we've built with the listeners that is doing real ministry. And the consolation is to be able to recognize that sort of while we're while we're in it. I don't know. That's a grace. And I am thankful for it this week. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. Yeah. What do you have, Olga? 
this week I've got a consolation. I've mentioned in previous episodes um, when I've talked about desolations, the challenges that I have with my fiance's uh, family. And it's been it's been rough. We've gotten to a point where it got a little calm, but still we weren't very open to each other. Um, and then this past weekend, his sister invited me over to their home um, where she's just basically completely opened up about being in a very vulnerable place in her life right now. And she went on a retreat and she's been praying um, and she asked me to forgive her for the attitudes that she had had uh, toward me and toward my relationship with her brother. Um, and that was great. Uh, but even more than that, I was just so surprised. I always thought that once this moment would arrive, that I would be so bitter and unwilling to let them in. I thought it would just be like, no, you didn't like me at first. You don't get a chance to like me now. Um, but the consolation was that God was just like, no, you want this. And I was so open and it was just wonderful to just be open myself and be be comfortable with being vulnerable with her in return. Yeah, that's amazing. Forgiveness is such a, like a radical, power, powerful act. It and, really, really is, and it's healing. So mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm glad you had that. Thank you. What do you have, Ashley? I also have a consolation. Um, so last week, America Media organized a a lunch for the female editors. Sorry, Zach. Quite all right. <laughs> um, just as a way for um, for the women here to to connect with each other, support each other. Um, And I've, in the past, had relationships with women that have often been shaped by, like, or seen through the lens of, like, competition for the attention of men or someone I'm comparing myself to in, like, a not-so-healthy way. Um, And this lunch really just brought home to me how much I've grown in my ability to have um, true friendships with women um and how how much i've gotten out of those friendships how much the the support um women like you olga and everyone else here at america has given to me and it was just i I was overwhelmed by like how how empowering that was um and so that was that was my consolation yeah it it was super wonderful to just be in that space with you and just a bunch of women affirming each other it was amazing yeah all right Jesuitical is brought to you by American Media and produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Adverbs provided by Christopher Skogholt. Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup SJ. Engineering by Kieran Freeman. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review. Shout out this week to Vivian Yvette. And you can send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at AmericanMedia.org. For American Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Olga Segura and Zach Davis. We will see you next week.